Hello, DSM listeners, and welcome to another edition of the DSM Culture Cast podcast. I'm Luke Manerfeld with DSM Magazine, and today my guests are with Table 128, the Clive restaurant that serves up delicious modern American cuisine. Please welcome Lynn and Sarah Pritchard, the co-owners. Thanks for hopping on the podcast, you two. Thanks for having us, Luke. It's great to be here. Thank you. And we're really excited to have you on, and we're recording remotely as we practice social distancing. So please bear with us if there's any audio glitches. And before we get into our discussion with Lynn and Sarah, I want to remind you that if you want to hear more conversations like this one with leaders around the greater Des Moines arts and culture and food and dining scenes, please subscribe to our podcast feed on your favorite platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, and more. Last week, we chatted with DSM TV Live, the local Facebook page that's become one of the go-to sources for local music and events during the pandemic. But back to Table 128, I know it's been a a tough several weeks for everyone in the restaurant industry, uh, but I've been quite impressed with how you two have adapted. You've been able to serve people through curbside with some unique and interesting menus and options. Can you just kind of take me through what these last several weeks have been like for you guys? I'm sure it's been just a, a whirlwind. Uh, well, what comes to mind when you mention that, Luke, is that we're on week nine. Uh, <laughs> we've very much been sort of tracking this as we go along. And, um, you know, we started this new venture with three goals in line to keep our staff healthy, to keep our guests healthy and fed, and to come out this on the other side. And we've ever since March 16th, Um, those have sort of been our guiding tenants as we've made decisions on um, how we can remain relevant in people's lives, but uh, also safe as well. And what's been maybe uh, the most challenging part of the experience for for you all? Uh, I'm going to have to say that this is probably a two-part answer to your question. Uh, One, it feels like every time we make a change, there are four questions that come up that we're not certain we can answer that day. So that's answer number one, uh, which is certainly a challenge. And the second challenge has to do with disruptions in the food supply. Uh, You know, sourcing fresh fish is almost a non sequitur right now. Those chains are starting to open up and logistics are starting to to happen again. Uh, But now of course we're seeing plant closures from the Dakotas to Nebraska West Texas, Iowa, obviously. So those those shifts in our availability to source and procure product have been incredibly challenging. Yeah, and that was going to be one of my questions: is how do you balance, you know, keeping your menu, you know, fresh and up to date with everything that's been disrupted during the pandemic? What's been kind of your your balancing act, or how you've kind of chosen what you want to serve uh, in the last nine weeks, as you said? Well, fortunately, we have we have changed our menu on a weekly basis. So while we've kept similar menu categories, we've changed protein, sauces, uh, vegetables every single week. So as I'm, I'm forecasting and speaking with buyers on the commodity markets and non-commodity markets for that matter, I'm trying to get a gauge of what will be available come that next Monday when I'm ordering for that following Tuesday through Saturday menu cycle. I'd say, Luke, Lynn is probably spending easily 15 hours a week on the phones with vendors, which, you know, he did a lot of that beforehand, but um, it's interesting that it's not just food, but it's packaging and um, 
hand sanitizer is another thing that we've just been able to not source as efficiently as we've been able to do in the past. Uh, and I don't deal with a lot of large vendors. Uh, we're kind of, I w wouldn't say the exception to the rule, but instead of working with you know, three companies the size of Cisco or Martin Brothers, we deal with as many local vendors as we can. So one of the, the companies that we work with here in town who, with whom we, we source all of our disposables and chemicals, they've literally been out of san hand sanitizer since the fourth week of March. And unexpectedly, they got a shipment, I think two or three pallets uh, last week, and I bought two cases and I only received one. So, I mean, everybody's hungry for the same products. In addition to that, with, with the shift from 51 cents of every consumer dollar being spent in restaurants on food, that has shifted largely towards the retail market. So manufacturers have, have quickly picked up on that and they've taken advantage of that opportunity. And I mean that in a good way but they're packaging for retail versus food service. So now as things are starting to slowly reopen in food service, manufacturers are gonna to have to shift like we've had to pivot quickly to be able to find that equilibrium between food service and retail. What's something you've learned during this experience that you'll take forward in this, in this new normal? <laughs> are we gonna narrow that down to one? <laughs> we've learned a lot. Um, and in some bizarre way, there have been fun challenges along the way too. Um, but I would say just, we've learned to just try it and figure it out as you go along. Like there really hasn't been time to answer all of the questions right away. And I say that in, in how are we going to communicate this menu change with guests or vice versa? And, um, you know, our, our, our guests that, have, have been so adaptable along the way that I think we've done a lot of, I've heard somebody reference who moved my cheese. We've moved cheese an awful lot on staff and um, our consumers <laughs> and not the kind of cheese that you're eating, you know? Um, so uh, it's been fun to see everybody kind of go, well, we'll figure it out as we go along. And people have been very patient with us as we've done that. Yeah, and when I was looking through your social media channels, it seems like you guys have gotten a lot of positive feedback from people in the community. Can you kind of just take me through what it's been like to hear the, you know, the positive response to what you guys have been serving, even though you had to adjust to this? Wow, that's a great question. Um, it kind of almost makes me cry, yeah. truthfully, that um, we're just glad that we can be there and still be a part of people's um, meals. And I listened to, I listened to a podcast recently and it was a, a business book but the woman actually had started a, a, a wine business related company and she talked in the book and it was rewritten obviously before COVID and these times but she talked so much about how there is so much value in breaking bread with people especially when it comes to doing business and that um, there is this human connection that we have over a table. And while we can really only just do that with our family or socially distanced outside with friends, um, I find comfort in knowing that we can still uh, deliver that and be a part of that. What's the plan going forward? I know as of our recording today on May 19th, you guys are still doing curbside. We will maintain our curbside and entryless portion of the business. Uh, we are aiming for an early June 
reopen of the dining room. Obviously, that will, will mean uh, you know, only 50% of our, our, our real estate can be used for seating, uh, which is a relatively dramatic, uh, again, pivot for us as business operators as we've, again, we'll be transforming our business. Uh, but that's where we're at uh, for the near future, and hopefully these things will continue to change and evolve, and we can get we can inch our way closer towards our old normal with new elements. I, I would say that to complement what Lynn has just said, we are not, our, our table to go program is not going to go away. Um, it is going to be a very important part of our business moving forward, uh, both in terms of delivering that experience for the guests at home, but to keep us financially viable uh, during this time, because we won't be able to go from 23 tables inside to 10 and make that work with the same staff level. Um, we, we're sitting at one of our back tables right now and you look around and uh, the three tables, two in front of me and one to the side of me, we won't be able to uh, use. So continuing to offer this complimentary option and we have some really great affordable family options. You can feed a family of four for $45 and there's a bit of a interactive cook cook a portion of it on your own, but we've done a lot of the hard work up front for you, um, as well as a Zoom class with Lynn on Saturday nights. We're still sort of wondering how that will fit when we go back to opening full-time, but um, it will definitely be an integral part of our business model moving forward. Well, thank you to again for joining me. This was, this was a lot of fun um, learning what you guys are doing to adapt, and I appreciate you taking me through it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you, Luke. And you can check out the latest news on Table 128 on their Facebook page or on their website at table128bistro.com. That's table128bistro.com. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to our podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. We'll talk to you next time.